Exodus chapter 21, verse 1 says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. That's the Lord speaking. The children of Israel, they're still at Sinai. This is God Almighty speaking to Moses to relate to them the judgments of the laws, the ordinances that God has set forth. Nothing that we're going to read in the next couple chapters is going to contradict, is going to contradict the Ten Commandments as was given in chapter 20. God does not contradict himself. He does not confuse or lead in confusion. So all these things bring light to what has already been said in chapter 20. These are, are extensions of those things or things that would be evident and made known. Okay. So today we're going to be reading verses 22 through 25. Read with me, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25. If men strive, or men fighting, and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. This passage is broadly misused and abused. Broadly it is. Many use it as a defense against abortion. Okay, if, you, if you've heard messages from this passage, a lot of messages are preached about abortion. Okay, Specifically, verse 22 says, And yet no mischief follow. Okay? So if two, women, two men are striving together and one bump into mom and nothing happens, well, that's, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about abortion here. Okay, there, there are circumstances where there is no death or even any, any harm to the child. So in verse 23 it says, If any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life in circumstances. If there's maiming or dismemberment or harm, then there will be other things. But there's also, it's speaking of if, if baby is delivered, if her fruit come from her, that's saying childbirth. So if the child is born without harm or defect then there's, st there's still things that, that happen, but not held according to capital crime because there is no death. So while it's true, we can look at these verses and say, okay, well, that proves that life begins before delivery, that, that an unborn child is still a child and alive. This, it, would be, it would be unfit and unwise for us to, to look at these verses with the intent to, to, to say that Abortion is bad, okay? And I believe abortion is bad. There's no, there's no cause for elective abortion at all, but we would have to misunderstand what these verses are talking about to make that the case at verses 22 through 25. It's not speaking exclusively of death, that no mischief, meaning that uh, if, if there were mischief that follow, when it says life for life, it goes back up to what was already said in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. Look at that. He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. So if someone is killed even before birth, then there is a capital crime there, according to the word of God. According to God himself, that's a capital crime. But if there's no mischief then, 
then they're not held to the capital crime in verse 22. They're held according to the the desire of dad and the desire of the, the judges, right? So if mischief follow, including death, blindness, maiming, and other injury, then there's equitable punishment that's allowable by that, okay? So some also use this as a phrasing to, for allowable retribution. Oh, you, you punch my eye, I'm going to punch your eye. You know, in, in terms of get backsies, that kind of stuff. But look what the Lord Jesus Christ said about this very passage in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 38 through 45. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, he's not contradicting the law, he's giving understanding in the law. I say unto you, that ye resist no evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn also turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, clarifying, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For, you make the, his, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So in the clarification of the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not go to the law to find suit for retribution. He's saying at the heart of the matter, don't fight in the first place. And there, if there is no fight in the first place, but there is grace and mercy administered, there is no need or even thought of retribution. That's, that's what he's saying. So to use or for someone to go to Exodus chapter 21 and say, because my, I have been offended in the eye or in the tooth, then, then I can get eye or tooth or hand or foot back or burn or stripe for stripe. They, they are totally mishandling the word of God. So what is being talked about here? It's a very specific example that is that is cited in Exodus chapter 21. What is what are we to make of this based on what we've studied in, in recent recent history? When you peel away the layers of what's going on here, it seems as though that the heart of this matter is the idea of transferred intent. And that's the top, that's the subject of the message. This afternoon, transferred intent, transferred intent. What in the world? If a man physically and willfully, if a man physically and willfully fight, they fight one another. And a pregnant woman ends up accidentally or incidentally getting hurt. The intent of a man to cause harm to the other man is then transferred to the woman. That's transferred intent. And that action becomes punishable, and likewise transferring it from the mom to baby. Likewise, the unborn, premature born child is a, is a, is a recipient of transferred intent. If Lex and I are striving together, and I shove Lex, and Lex bumps into Sister Nelda, and she falls down and breaks her hip, 
I am punishable. The harm that I intended to Lex has now been transferred to Sister Nelda. And I am guilty of harming Sister Nelda. Transferred intent. That's what he's talking about here. If we look at it through that is what's going on, and you go back to the issue of the men striving in the first place, the transferred intent, it just makes sense that that the intent would be transferred there. And what this what these verses tell us is the magnitude of our actions and of our words. What the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that he was speaking to Moses in the mount, what, what God Almighty is conveying to Moses and Israel and us today is the importance of what we do and what we say has impact on those that we in a direct way have contact with and also in an indirect way what we, who we have contact with. Imagine it like this. Somebody, come, uh, you're, you're going to Dairy Queen one day for lunch. Somebody comes in and tries to rob the place. And as they're walking out, you pull out a firearm and you shoot, and you shoot at that person. But you miss. And that bullet go past that fella and hit someone that's standing right behind him. You are now guilty of manslaughter with transferred intent. The bullet you wanted for the robber now hit bystander. You are guilty by transferred intent, and you have just committed manslaughter. That's what happened. That's what the subject, I believe, of this passage is all about. You have the pro- when I say transferred intent, the two men were striving together, and both men, by primary intent, desire to hurt one another. Primary intent. The secondary intent then is the woman. One man hits another man, and the woman now gets hit, and she is now the secondary recipient of that blow. The tertiary or third level recipient of that transferred intent then is baby. It doesn't say how far along she is, and it doesn't matter. Okay? Could it be that these men didn't know she was with child? Could it be she didn't know she was with child? Years ago, Sister Jill and I, we were playing wiffle ball with my younger brother and his wife. And my brother and his wife, they knew she was pregnant, but we didn't, right? So even if, if there would have missed something come up and we'd have, somebody would have collided and hit, then even unknowing that my sister-in-law was pregnant, there still would have been a, a, a you see how that, that, that intent, any intent could have, could have been transferred there, transferred intent. That's, I believe that that's what he's talking about. So in transferred intent, for any reason, it doesn't mention why these men are striving either. So for any reason, these men are striving. If something were to happen and these men strive, and hurt a woman with child, the intent they have with one another now is transferred to woman and child. Go back to the to the law in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verses, verses 12 through 17. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, submitting to authority. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet anything. So for any reason, if men and a fight striving with one another would be sourced in breaking that law, also to not loving God, 
So for any reason, if two men are fighting, and in their striving together, someone who is not part of that striving is then impacted by their actions, they are now harmed through transferred intent. Does that make sense? Is this making sense? So it's an issue of the heart, and it's directly relatable to verses 18 and 19. If men strive together and one smite another with a stone and with his fist, and he die not, but keepeth his bed, if he arise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then he shall, even he that smote him shall be quit only, or quit of the capital crime charge, only he shall pay for his loss of time and shall cause him to be thoroughly or throughly healed. So verses 18 and 19 directly apply to verse 20, verses 20 through 25, in that men are striving, and in a direct capacity in verses 18 and 19, somebody gets hurt or dies. In verses 22 through 25, someone gets hurt or dies through transferred intent. Do you see it? Do you see how it flows? Transferred intent. Oh, I didn't mean to. When my brothers and I were growing up, there'd be a lot of times we'd be doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing and horse playing and, and roughhousing and all this kind of stuff. Then somebody gets hurt. And then, oh, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Well, we meant to. We meant to do those things. We just we didn't mean to hurt someone. The idea of unintended consequences. Well, what did you think was going to happen when you throw a baseball at somebody's head? You know? Unintended consequences. And social sciences, it's known as the outcomes of a purposeful action, a purposeful action, though the results are not intended or foreseen. That's what it's talking about here in verses 22 and 23 through 25. Unintended consequences that are evidenced through transferred intent. This sounds like a whole bunch of illegal mamma jahambo, doesn't it? Think about this, the application of it. The law is given to the children of Israel, and it was given to give them pause in their actions so that they would behave as the children of God. And when we read in Matthew chapter 5, and the Lord Jesus Christ gave us understanding of these verses, and verses 38 through 45, and he said that you would do this and do this and this, and that you would be known of the children of God Almighty. Right? You'll behave and be known for your behavior. This was to mold the behavior of the children of Israel so not only would they not strive together, but they would think about their actions as, hey, look, once I start striving with somebody, then my intentions may be transferred and I would be ultimately held guilty on, on layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of my actions. Transferred intent. The idea of the pregnancy gives us latitude to think exponentially, exponentially. In multiples, not just in additives, in multiples. Okay? So, person A punches person B, affecting, uh, affecting person C, and likewise affecting person D. Who would know that something like that would happen just through, just through one punch or one shove? Well, what if person A punches person B, and person B impacting person C, but also person D and person E and everybody that was watching there is now emotionally impacted, leading to generational emotional scarring 
right? You ever seen something, witnessed something, or been a party of something physical, but has left an emotional, mental impression on you? There, I have seen the consequences of personal actions that have in fact impacted generations of people, all because somebody did something one day. We need to think exponential on this. How we conduct ourselves, the things that we do. Now, you might not be fist fighting with somebody and push somebody into a pregnant woman, but it's not limited to this circumstance. Again, I believe that we're given pregnancy and, 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 and this childbearing to show us that what we do impacts more than who we see. It impacts society, really, in an, in an exponential way. What if one desires what if one desires to sin and strive against God and causes an entire group of people to sin because because in striving with God the transferred intent now impacts an entire population of people. You think that could happen? Look in 2 Kings chapter 2 with me just for a moment. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verses 23 and 24. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. Let's see, I said 2 Kings. And I'm in 2 Kings. Let me look at 1 Kings. Well, I wrote down the wrong passage. Let me tell you the passage that I was going... Well, no, hey, it's 1 Kings chapter 14. My eyes crossed on me. Excuse me. 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. Verses 15 and 16. For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and he shall root up Israel out of his good land, which he gave to their fathers, and shall scatter them beyond the river, because they have made their groves provoking the Lord to anger. That's pretty serious stuff. Look at verse 16. And he shall give up he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin and made Israel to sin. Here you see by extension, exponentially, one man desiring to strive against God, striking an entire nation with his ideology, and now God turning against his people who he swore unto and promised to give them over unto bondage. How important is the idea of transferred intent? Children of God, we are to live lovingly, graciously, mercifully. We are to live lives that we would not desire to hurt anyone if men strive and hurt a woman with child. But those that we have contact with, we have no idea exponentially 
the people that we impact with our lives. Do you think David had any idea that he was going to be routinely quoted in the New Testament, even by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and that 2,000 years after that, that people were going to read it, and God, by by his power, would save his people from their sins and correct his people in their sins. Exponentially. See how David was used? See how Paul was used? Exponential intent, transferred intent. Oh, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. So physically, how we, how we live our lives, we should be considerate of how we live and the people we contact and also how, how we, quote, brush up with people, how that impacts their lives and their children and their children and their children in an exponential way. That's in the physical, that's the actions. But this, this law also was given to the children of Israel. And how was it given to them? It was given to them in language, wasn't it? So we can also see the idea of transferred intent with words. Transferred intent with words. What if words intended toward one person were then had the idea of transferred intent with harm to another? Does that ever happen? Think about those kids. Their parents may have been talking about Elijah. Oh, bald head, oh, bald head. And they just repeated what they heard through transferred intent. They they repeated what they heard. And in 2 Kings, that's the reference that my eyes crossed. In 2 Kings chapter 2, these bears came out and just ripped them to shreds. Transferred intent, words, ideas, meaning. These and it could be that the mom and dad, I don't know, that they, they, weren't, they weren't warring with one another fighting over the prophet Elijah. They were on the same side fighting against Elijah in private, perhaps. And these two people striving together impacted their children. And by exponential transferred intent, their family was impacted, their families. What if one man yelling at another man causes a man, woman, boy, or girl to blaspheme. What do I mean by that? Well, if as a child of God and member of this assembly and pastor of this church, if I'm out saying and doing all kinds of other things and then somebody says, what kind of God would let their child go out there and live like that? That's causing others to blaspheme. So if you transfer an intent, how I behave myself and how I conduct myself and how I speak, how I move, may draw a rebellious heart out of someone. I don't give them a rebellious heart, but it might draw it out of them, cause them to despise the Lord God Almighty, cause them to blaspheme. I've talked to many people that say that they've been to churches and they, they've seen this conduct and that conduct, and they said they, they would never go back to those places based on how they saw people behaving and based on how they saw people acting. Now, I'm not saying those other assemblies have authorization to behave how they do, but what a testimony they have that by tr- through transferred intent, through transferred intent, they have jaded other people against perceptively the Lord and perceptively a church. They, don't under- they, they wouldn't understand 
grace perhaps and they don't understand the authority of the Lord's assembly but do you see what I'm getting at that they would despise even the idea of assembling in the name of the Lord under his banner but I've, I've, I've known that to happen among the Lord's assemblies as well that because the children of God don't know how to talk to one another sometimes it happens that there are visitors and and and, and people that, that may be just nearby that they say, oh, wow, you know, they, 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 they blaspheme God and they, 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 they despise the Lord's assembly. When I was growing up as an unsaved person, I, there was a lot of conflict that I saw. And because my dad was a pastor for much of the time I was growing up, I, I, got, I got to see some of the behind the scenes inner workings of, of things. And one of my big takeaways, and I was jaded against the Lord and his assembly, I was like, man, if these people have experienced, quote, the truth, and, and, and they're the most loving people in the world, how come these people can't even sit in the same room with, in, with one another without yelling at one another? Do you see how that, that had transferred intent? How that these people, thinking they're doing God's service, had actually harmed someone that they had no intention in harming? Do you see how that could happen? If the words from a parent to another is tra- are transferred, imagine parents and they think they're behind closed doors and they think they're being super quiet, but imagine a parent throwing a dart, a word, at another parent, at, at, the, at their spouse. And through transferred intent, a child who's not even visible but hears and is impacted by those words, do you see how through transferred intent, parents can do a lot of harm? Now we had we had a bit of a spectacle here about two months ago. What what if how, one person throwing out a bunch of words, not caring about anybody else? Do you see how that that could have had transferred intent and did have transferred intent impacting everyone else in the room? You tell me that that stuff isn't important. There's more. There's more to this than just two men fighting and a pregnant woman get hurt. There's there's more to this. The idea of transferred intent. This should be a very sobering thought for us children of God of how we behave and how we speak. Aiming words at one person, those arrows can easily lose their target. Easily. Into the heart of another. Easily. Has anybody ever felt the arrows of misguided words? I got both my hands up. Did it tickle? No, not at all. And every, we're all guilty of this. It, it should sober our minds. It should sober my mind of how important my actions and my words are. Everything I do, there's an audience. Everything I say, there is. There are ears. Children of God, hear the idea of transferred intent. And understand the idea of unintended consequences. Now, we might also back up, and I want you to hear this. If two men are fighting, what in the world is that woman doing there? 
It says she's got a husband. Where's he in this? Where are the people protecting the innocent? We're not to be the ones striving. We're to be the ones protecting the innocent. We're to be the ones that are there to help, you see. One could argue that this woman also has transferred intent by not leaving and protecting herself and that child. You see, it is not wise. It is not wise for men to strive. It's also not wise for people to put themselves in compromised scenarios. Now, she might have just might been minding her own business and then a, a fight break out behind her. But once that happens, it is her it is her duty as a as a woman and as a mother to evacuate a place that is harmful. Okay. So you could say that she also through transferred intent, has obligation to her child as well. So whether we're talking about manslaughter or injury, verses 21, 18, and 19, the principal issue then is transferred intent. It's not, while it is talking about a man fighting with a man and a woman who is pregnant is nearby, what's being conveyed here then is the idea of transferred intent. So what are our intentions? What are the intentions? The retribution mentioned in verses 23 through 25 is permissible, but it's altogether avoidable in grace and in mercy. For whatever reason, these two men striving together, you enter grace and mercy and the fight is over. Okay, You enter grace and mercy, you enter forgiveness, the fight is over. You end the fight and there is no hurt to the woman. You end the hurt to the woman, there is no there is no harm to the child, you see. So for us to say and for us to rely on the idea of retribution, we're overlooking the point of, of avoidance of anger. We're look, overlooking the, uh, the point of grace and mercy and forgiveness and fellowship of brother and brother, of Jew and Jew in the Old Testament, of brother and brother in Christ living peaceably among one another especially the household of faith. The whole premise of transferred intent is obvious, it's ideal, it's sound, and it's only logical. Again, I, if, I, if Lex shoves me and I go through that window, who's paying for the window, me or Lex? Well, Lex, he shoved me, right? Well, he started it. We're, okay, we get into all that stuff, transferred intent. Both guilty. The idea of unintended consequences are just that. No one plans against that day. Well, I'm sure when they started out to fight, they had no intention of knocking into or hurting pregnant woman. But that's beside the point. Just as much as any men fighting have no intention in hurting someone else, just as much as a drunk driver he pours down that bottle of alcohol and never intends to kill anyone but does, Transferred intent. Unintended consequences. That person that's just yelling at someone else doesn't intend to scar the heart of a child, but does. Unintended consequences. Transferred intent. And transferred intent, as we read of Jeroboam, can be devastating to a man, to a house, to a nation. 
Ultimately, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to set out to harm someone. There's no excuse for that harm to be displaced upon another, transferred. There's no excuse for exponential transferred intent. Consequences will naturally follow. If if the intents of my heart are evil, then I will have evil consequences. Consequences set in stone the idea of accountability. He's saying, okay, you're going to exercise intents of your heart. In stone, here are the consequences. The accountability of the issue of transferred intent, regardless of the extent of the unintended consequences. Hey, look, if this happens and and no mischief follow, you're still held accountable. But all the way, including death, which the wages of sin is death, up until, uh, up into, and including life for life, you are held accountable of the idea of transferred intent. Boy, how, I mean, just the idea is mind-blowing. It all sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? What about the positives? What about the positives of transferred intent? I don't see any positive there. You're not looking hard enough. Positives. What if two dads taught their boys not to strive? How about I'm teaching a church that will be taught these young men, Lex, Bobby. How about they teach the next generation? And they're, they're genera- 100 years from now, and generations down the line, there'll be people that I will never have met, but through transferred intent, through the Word of God, that this assembly continues and to be a light for, for, for decades, if not hundreds of years, centuries even, maybe. I don't know. Transferred intent. Do you think the apostles were thinking about transferred intent when they were just simply obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe, maybe not, but here we are, transferred intent. Intending to serve the living God, being obedient to the Lord, God uses people that, they, that it would just continue, continue, saves his people, added through baptism. How about in teaching my family at home and showing them love? I'm to raise, I'm to be grazing my great, great, great grandchildren, should the Lord so graciously provide. People I'll never meet. Intending, instead of striving with one another, what, what, if, what if my wife and I are, are celebrating one another and teaching children rather than, than, than talking about what kind of mischief or what kind of harm? How about through, through transferred intent that we are doing well under our ancestors? Or, excuse me, our progeny. Our ancestors are dead. A lot of them are. How about sharing the gospel and planting seeds of eternal life and by God's grace, sinners are saved. Transferred intent. Look at 1 Corinthians, if you would, please, just for a moment. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Now, he's not mentioning people specifically by name. And Paul, neither Paul nor Paulus could save anybody. And they can't. I can't. But the intent of the gospel being shared 
and the others along the way, some water, you know, in my own personal life, there were many that 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 planted and, uh, and others watered. God saved my soul, but through transferred intent, they might have been preaching over this way, but providentially, some little boy over here heard it this way by the power of God, you see. Transferred intent. How about showing children, visitors in the world, what the children of God look like? I said our, our actions and our words, you know, by transferred intent, he's talking about consequences of bad behavior, and we could exponentially know that he's talking about bad behavior, and we can apply that to our words. Well, how about if the children of God behaving like the children of God through our actions and through our words, through who we are and who we say to be, show a lost and dying world that just by being the children of God that God would be glorified and that by the providence of God and by the power of God, souls be saved. Our intent would be to worship God and the transferred intent would be that God would save his people. You see that? How about cultivating kindness rather than striving together and hurting people, cultivating kindness? How about walking in light as he is in light? He is light. Consider the transferred intent of Solomon. In 1 Kings, if you would please, turn to 1 Kings. Transferred intent. Solomon, simply desiring to adore God Almighty. That's what he wanted to do, is adore God Almighty. Transferred intent. The actions toward one are transferred to another. He desired to glorify God Almighty. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 4. And when the king, queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent, or going up, by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard of mine own land, of thy acts, and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me." Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happier are thy men, happier are these thy servants who stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the God, be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he the king to do judgment and justice. The transferred intent of Solomon. He didn't transfer his adoration. To Sheba, his adoration toward God was impacted by Sheba so that she then adored God for placing Solomon and adored God for the heart of his servants, adored God for the way Solomon was worshiping. You see how he intended to serve God and his intention in serving God then impacted another transferred intent. Solomon with intent. What was his transferred intent? The glory of the Lord, that being happy in the Lord, being wise in the Lord, serving the Lord, the love of the Lord 
toward Israel. And for having such as one of Solomon, you see, you see how God used Solomon and his intentions to impact this woman, this queen. The intent, did the intent of Solomon have a positive intent? Well, in 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord said, Solomon, what do you want? He said, well, I'm a nobody. I'm just a kid. Please give me some wisdom so I can rule over these, your people. I don't mess it up. God gave him that wisdom. The intent of Solomon was to be a humble and gracious servant of the Almighty God. And you see how those intentions, how they, they just shined out in his life. Transferred intent. Could Solomon be held, could he possibly, you know, I don't know if she, the Queen of Sheba was a saved person. I can't tell you that one way or the other. But did, did he give, did he hold her down and say, these are the things I want you to, to see and believe and to know? He didn't, no, he didn't do that. Those were her observations. So then, go back to this woman and her child in Exodus chapter 21. If she, by observation and presentness, is impacted by these men in a negative way and her child is impacted in a negative way. What about people who bring their children in near and around the children of God like what Sheba did? They should be impacted in a positive way, shouldn't they? The transferred intent. So then we have to ask ourselves some questions. Everyone lives intentionally. Okay, These men in chapter, in chapter 21, verses 22 through 25... They had an intention on striving, and that intent came out in the fight, and the intentions then uh, impacted others so that that intention was transferred. Everybody lives intentionally. What are your intentions? Are your intentions to strive and to hurt? No, I don't intend on striving and hurting. Make sure we really believe that with our hearts and our minds, and that our behavior and our words are the evidence of that. One may say that they have no intention of living a, a striving and hateful life, yet everything they do is done in strife and hatefulness and bitterness. Oh, I have no desire to hurt anybody except when I hurt everybody with everything that I do. Transferred intent. What would be... What is the result of the intention of your life? Maybe we should ask it that way. What was the result of the intention of Solomon's life? Well, Sheba declared it. What was the result of the intentions of Jeroboam's life? Well, we read that in 1 Kings chapter 14. The intention of his life was to lead the nation in sin, harm. If the intentions of our lives, if the intention of my life were measured by the consequences so measured by transferred intent. The people around me, how are they impacted with the intentions of my life? How are the people around you impacted with the intentions of your life? Are they brought to harm or hurt? Or are they brought to mercy, love, peace, grace? Are they, are they taught the gospel? And not just the details by our, by our mouths, but the evidences of it in our lives. What would be the calculated transferred intent of our lives? What are, the, what are the unintended consequences? So if the things that I do 
that I don't think hurt anybody are then transferred to someone else, how does that impact them? In a positive way or a negative way? In a God-honoring way or a God-dishonoring way? According to the law of God, if someone is impacted by my behavior, are they taught to honor their father and their mother, not, not, to, be, not to kill or to be angry, not to commit adultery or to be lustful, uh, not to steal, not to bear false witness against their neighbor, not to be covetousness? Is the, secretary, is the transferred intent of my life cultivating obedience unto the Lord according to the grace of God? If not, then I am guilty of the transferred intent mentioned in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. The unintended consequences, are, are the unintended consequences, are, do, they, do they lead to retribution? Do they lead to harm? Do they lead to broken bones and broken hearts of those? And again, talking about transferred intent. Not just the person that you're standing in front of, but those who might be in audience or in observation. Broken bones, broken hearts. Or if someone were impacted by, through transferred intent in my life, would they be just having heaps of and gobs and buckets of blessings of God poured on them. I'm not saying that would save them. I'm just saying, are they showered with, the in, with, with godly intentions just being around me? That ought to be the case for the children of God. I believe the Lord in Exodus chapter 21 is encouraging His people to be mindful of those that they have impact on in a primary, secondary, tertiary, exponential way. To be mindful of their transferred intent. To be mindful of unintended consequences. Children of God, hear this message. Transferred intent. What does the transferred intent look like in my life and in your life? This is bigger than my mind can grasp. It's bigger than my heart can take. I am, I am so guilty of, of in, a, in, a, in a God dishonoring way, failing in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. How often, how often have I hurt through, through transferred intent people I might not never know, might, not, might, might never meet. It's encouraging to know that likewise the Lord is gracious and that He, in His merciful kindness and His love wherewith He loved us, can use His people in a positive way and through the testimony of our lives and through the testimony of, the, of our profession of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can declare the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. Transferred intent. Desire that the transferred intent of your heart be God-honoring and heart-blessing. What we do matters exponentially. You know, think about it like this. Imagine you're hearing this message and it, and it, and it tweaks some... The Lord use it in your life. We'll say it that way. The Lord use it in your life. And then you go out here into a lost and dying world and you, with, the, with a mindfulness of transferred intent, declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and you tell somebody that Jesus died and rose again for the ungodly, and souls are saved. A person I never met, but you did. A person I've never impacted, but you did. You see how transferred intent could work? See how it does work? See how for the grace of God, for the glory of God, and by the grace of God, it's applied in our everyday lives. What we do matters exponentially. Don't ever think you don't matter. What we matters, what we do matters exponentially. How valuable is your soul? And how precious was the redemption of it? And how gracious that God put ministers in stations, and I don't mean just call preachers, you know, anybody, the ministers, the people that carry them, the ministry of reconciliation, how, how gracious is it that God took sinners saved by grace and used them in such magnificent ways to be ministers of His gospel. Tell me that what we do doesn't matter. Tell me. I won't believe you. What we do matters exponentially in the matter of transferred intent. Again, think of it this way. Lexi's here this, this afternoon. Say in 30, 40 years that the Lord doesn't come back and you're still here and then you, you're doing your own personal study and you come back through and you might have something written down next to Exodus 21. He said, oh, I, I remember a message. I don't know who preached it, but I remember a message on that. I don't even know where it was, but I remember a message on that. And then the message preached, and the Lord saves people at that time. What we do matters. Providentially. Transferred intent. What we say matters. We do. Again, in a positive way and a negative way. It could be that you're the only person that someone will ever meet that, that, that authentically carries the gospel message. What you say matters. Good, bad, or indifferent. It matters. Desire to make full use of transferred intent. We shouldn't just see Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25 as a big red X of things not to do, but look, for, look at it as an opportunity. You see, yes, an opportunity of what not to do, but also an opportunity that exponentially how you behave and conduct yourself. And if you look over in Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one, I want you to see this This is really cool. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul tells this church, Only let your conversation or your citizenship, your way of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Where? In Philippi. What was in Philippi? Bunch of unsaved people. Let your way of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In in desiring to live in newness of life because of salvation afforded in the gospel of Jesus Christ through transferred intent, the community in Philippi was to see that there was a converted group of people following Jesus Christ. What you say and what you do matters. Transferred intent. 
You desire to give glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ in your living and in your in your speech. Your transferred intent. It could be that the Lord used you to save his people from their sins. Transferred intent. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Sinner, every action you do is transferred intent in sin against God. You, you might not have a heart to sin against God, but it says in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 21. Let me read that for you. Proverbs 21. And verse 4, And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. You might think you're doing great stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm a good worker. I, I, I'm providing for my family. I can do this. I can do that. You can't even work or breathe right. Everything. If, if the plowing of the wicked is sin, then even trying to do a good thing is transferred intent against God. Meaning to do a good thing is actually a sinful thing against God from a wicked heart. In Luke chapter 18, there was a good man that stood in the temple and he was praying within himself saying, Oh, I'm thankful I'm not like that guy. I do this, I do that. And his religious, self-justified, it said that the people that came to talk to the Lord at the beginning of his dialogue way back in Luke 16... They justified themselves. They were religious. They had transferred intent pride against God. Attempting to worship God. In their pride, they were sinning against God. You see that? They pride themselves. They had pride against others. They had pride against God. And the idea of transferred intent, every action turns and is sinful against God. You look back in our text, the original text in Exodus 21, if men strive and hurt a woman or a child, well, men are striving by birth against God, and the unintended consequences of that strife is self-harm. And the day you eat this, you'll surely die. Ah, he ate it, strove against God, he died, self-harm. Sinner, what will you do? Where will you go? Everything you do. Everything you do, you'll be held accountable. And even if you try to dig yourself out of the hole, you're just creating a bigger hole with unintended consequences. While the intent of man is transferred, the Lord always hits his target. You see, in the text there, men are striving. It doesn't say that the man struck out to hit the woman, but that was the unintended consequence. The men must have missed their, their target then. God never misses his target. He always hits his target. So his target is the offender, except Jesus Christ make himself the target for sin. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ himself made himself sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin. The intended consequence of the gospel. I don't say unintended. I said intended. The intended consequence of the gospel, according to God, is that the, that the offender must die and Christ died instead. And he did that in an intended way. 
It was no accident. It was no afterthought. It was was no, uh, uh, oops, what are we going to do now? No, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. I should have died. He died instead. Bearing my blame as a fit substitute. What must happen here? And the idea of trans, you know, when you go back up in verses 18 and 19, men striving together, consequences come. Verses 22 through 23, of men are striving together and something happened, consequences come. Right? And and now, in looking at the idea of transfer and intent, they, they didn't in, intend, to, they intended to hurt one another, but now it goes to someone else. But guess what? That's sin too. And we know it's sin because the wages of sin is death. For right there, verse 23, that shall give life for life. What must you do? What is the way out of, in a practical way, what was the way to uh, 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 of solving verses 22 and 23? 24, 25. What's, what's the practical way of solving it? Mercy and grace. What is the practical way of solving the idea of men striving against God and through transferred intent they harm themselves? Same solution. Mercy and grace according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mercies of God, what's the end of all strife, isn't it? What must you do? You must repent. Turn. Turn from self. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Men strive... There is strife against God because men hate God and desire to be gods themselves, to rule over themselves. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.